1: Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Power Women in Insurance podcast. Today, we are talking with Linda Fisher, and she is the owner of Cardinal Insurance out of Michigan. And I am really pumped because she and I have been kind of in the agency independent side for about the same amount of time and uh, for the ownership side. And I think that we're going to have a lot of really good things to chat about, about all the things that we've been able to see, all the things we've been able to experience. So Linda, welcome. I'm excited to have you today.
0: Thanks, Teresa. I'm really excited to be here. Like I told you earlier, when you invited me, I feel like
1: I'm at the Oscars, and I'm just happy to be nominated. So, thanks.
0: (laughs) You are so funny.
1: Well, you know what? Let's get to know you a little bit because I know that your agency journey has been one that's been filled with a lot of ups and a lot of downs, and a lot of a lot of triumph and a lot of a lot of challenges as well. So, I really want to dig deep because I know that we've chatted already just a little bit, but I want to really There was so much value and I knew that we were like, so much more was there that I was like, let me go ahead and record. So let's go ahead and chat a little bit. How did you get into insurance and where you are today? So I literally just answered
0: an ad in the paper to get a job to pay for college. I had to find a way fresh out of high school to pay for college. And there was an ad for a receptionist, an insurance agency and without knowing anything about it, within eight months, I was licensed. And by the time, honestly, in um, four years, I be- went from a CSR to 100% commission producer at the age of 21, and just produced mostly personal lines at that time. About 10 years later, started doing commercial and personal both.
1: Was that how they did their agency at that point? Was it all sales producers were 100% commission? It, it was, all CS- yeah, it was all CSRs.
0: So they, okay. did, they, they, they didn't have a producer. And, um, I would actually at night be making phone calls, right. Good old fashioned telemarketing phone mm-hmm. calls to people at dinner time to try to solicit auto and home. And I did so well at that, that he just kind of said, why don't we let you do this full time? Well, commissioned only means there were a lot of lean years. I sold a lot, but it, you didn't make very much back then. Um, and especially doing a personal lines only.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That could be pretty difficult. So you did it mainly off of cold calling. I did. Wow, I did picking that's... up
0: the phone and calling people at dinner time and asking for the opportunity to quote their auto and home insurance and and then I would have to you know then the morning I'd get there in the morning and and I'd have to actually do the quoting so I'd have to go in and pull the manuals for each of the companies because we had manuals back then and you had to sit down and do all the factors and yeah it was
1: yeah much different wow. than it is today. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. So you went to that and I know that you said you were in school and you were trying to do this, that, and the other. So tell me a little bit about your agency journey. Cause I know that you love sales. You are really, really great at sales. And I love that you did the work to learn, to be able to accomplish, to be able to put in the time. I think so many people want to go into sales and they think it's sexy right because they get a lot of freedom and they get a lot of a lot of connection they get a lot of juju from people right you're out and about you're meeting you're greeting you're doing all these wonderful things which is awesome but they don't also understand the struggle of also really keeping yourself focused of really that autonomy to some degree but yet at the same point working for a company how did that work out for you So it's interesting because if you look at a lot of
0: agency owners and why we became owners, it's because we love to sell. I mean, that really is where a lot of it came from if it wasn't family motivated. And the interesting thing is when I went out on my own and I went out on my own in 2004, the agency I worked for, um, I sat with the two gentlemen that owned it and asked for the opportunity to have ownership. And a third of the clients in the agency were mine. And they said, no, I wouldn't be ready for another 10 years. So at that point, I um, left the agency, started my own from scratch and I went to my largest carrier and I'd already gotten one of the small carriers said, yeah, we'll follow you. But the largest one that I needed when I met with them and they all knew me because I served in Michigan on the the Michigan Association of Insurance Agents. I served on young agents, chaired that back in 2000 I'd been involved for many years. They all knew who I was. And he said something to me that really bothered me at the time because my ego was crushed he mm. said, "Linda, I know that you know how to write a profitable book, book of business, but I don't know that you know how to run an agency."
1: And, he and a carrier hear. said that.
0: A carrier said that.
1: Interesting, because usually all they really a- care about are sales. Right? Whenever they come into my office, they really want to talk to you about sales. They don't care if I'm. They they don't not really. They don't really care about if I'm taking care of my clients, if I'm paying my rent, if you know. I mean, they don't care about you know all those things that it takes to my P and L as far as. My agency's concern—they only ask typically about their PL on their little spreadsheet that they walk in the door with, which is only their agency. So that's interesting that they took it more from a an very agency perspective.
0: Conservative company that I needed because
1: okay. right. all my high-net
0: worth clients were with that company. That I needed that is very, very conservative to where if I didn't have a nice-looking office and an actual shingle, they would not have given me appointment back then.
1: Oh wow! And so they okay. said
0: no; they turned me down. So, um, and I was cross tail between the legs. The whole thing yeah. went back. And about eight months later, I thought, wait a minute, if I can get, and I got two other companies on my own. If I can get these two companies who don't know me, I'm going back after that company I want. So I redid my business plan. I did some testimonial letters from underwriters who had worked with me, and went after it again. And I got a phone call saying, actually, we're looking to appoint one in Traverse City, and we have four that we're looking at, and we'll consider you as well. So it took me about three months of meetings. But again, I knew all these people. I worked with them for 16 years as a producer. And so I got that one appointment that they gave out. Um, wow. It's not easy to get in that company, but um, but he was right though. He was right. I didn't know how to run an agency. I didn't know about a balance sheet or profit and loss. I didn't know. I knew customer service extremely well. Right. I can do either I can do sales or I can do service, but I, didn't, I definitely didn't know how to be a leader and a mentor. And, a, and a, I don't like the word boss. I never have. But um, there was so much growing and learning that I needed to do. And luckily, they gave me an appointment before I finished that journey, you know, without a doubt. They gave me an appointment within about a year of when they told me no. So, um, but I had clients that were waiting. I had high net worth clients that their homes were too high in value for the companies that I had. I couldn't write them. I couldn't write million
1: dollar homes back. So, so my question to you is, and this is just, this is just my question because, because it's like that whatever people encounter that type of situation, you went directly to the carrier, you had the relationship with the carrier. I was a little bit different. I had worked for my dad's all state agency. He wanted to go independent. He had the non-compete. He said, I can't do this. I need to keep my all state agency open. He kept his Allstate agency open for another three years. And I started the independent, right? So, I mean, I started it from scratch. We had nothing, but with the assistance, even though, I mean, how much do captives know about the independent world? Very little, right? And so like, I would call him and I would say, so what did they say, I need this thing called ENO? is that? And he goes, I don't know. State takes care of all that. I don't even know what that is. So I think for a lot of us, the business side of things is really different whenever we get into those types of things. So tell me... But was there, so what would have been the criteria in their mind? Because a lot of people will sit back and if they get that, no, they get very distracted. They get very, like you said, ego hurt. Hey, I know what I'm doing. What do you mean? I can't have this appointment. Um, but at the same point, no one who comes into owning and, and building a brand new scratch agency has that business knowledge necessarily. I mean, unless they've had other businesses that have, they're not in anymore. Right. But for whatever reason. Um, so what, was it that they would have been looking for at that point? Because that's why I think so many people right now go to clusters. That's why they go to clusters is so that they don't have to crack, scratch and beg and plead and, you know, create a whole thing to be able to get some of these carrier appointments. Um, but you've gone direct in a, in a day and age, because I'm with a carrier, we did that with the cluster, we did up going through SIAA. And that was what my dad's choice was at that point. I was like, my dad told me to do it. I did it. Right. Cause I did not know the insurance industry overall. And so, um, but we went with a cluster, but you went direct and you went directly to those carriers. And I think that's awesome because I think so many people today are really afraid of that.
0: Well, I think, but I had a huge benefit though. I had served again on the Michigan association mm-hmm. boards. I knew who I was. I had chaired young agents and I was very active. I was on the executive board. And so, You know, back then I had finished, um, I opened my agency in 2004. I was the young agent chair for the state of Michigan in 2000 and had been on that board for six years. So they knew me, they had seen me at conventions. So they knew who I was. So that was different. Not only that, I will tell you that it was those relationships with my young agents that when I got ready to start an agency, I would get on the phone and call them and say, hey, you know, Greg Rummel and Frankenmuth, can you send me your employee handbook? And Greg Walker, you know, I called on my friends that I had served with and said, I need help. And what's interesting is, the group that I served with, there was a photo of all of us in Hawaii at a national convention, back when the national convention would would go to different states for IABA or different places. And that year there was a whole group of us under a waterfall that had gone from Michigan for young agents. And one of the underwriters looked at the picture and said, Only you, this that you and, and Joe are the only two that are not agency owner kids. The rest of them oh, wow. all worked for their dad and bought, you know, we're, we were stepping up in their dad's agencies. And so they had that to go back on too, that they could, which I didn't have that either. So they right. were generational and had a lot of, so, it, you know, and one in particular, and he's um, unfortunately passed away in May, but Greg helped me get one of my carriers. You know, mm. that was a relationship that he was able to walk me over to their booth at one of the conferences and say, Hey you know, here's Linda, you need to talk with her and here's why. And so, you know, I understand it's extremely difficult today. You, especially with the aggregators that are, you know, in these towns kind of locking up some of the doors for, you know, appointments, etc. It's extremely difficult to, but if you believe in what you're doing and you can put it in writing for someone, if I'm sitting mm. back as the person that's going to say yes or no to an appointment, you got to tell me why, what are you going to do it. for me? And you got to speak my language. So if I'm a company that loves life, you better start talking about life insurance. If I'm a company that's really big into farms and commercial, you can't come to me and say, I write this much personal lines a year. That's not going to appeal to me. So just like I have to sell myself to a client, you have to sell yourself to that company. Why are they going to choose you?
1: I love that. I love that.
0: You know, I was blessed. I was very blessed. I just happened to be on that board for so so many years. And so I was, I had a different route
1: than a lot of people but I think that's the power of service right is not only when we put a service first attitude towards our clients towards our teams towards our environment towards our culture towards even just our industry culture right even if I mean no matter what it is it doesn't mean that we have to serve on boards it doesn't mean we have to whatever if we just serve but those relationships are huge. huge whether it's IAOA or whatever
0: it is these young agents that are just and it doesn't have to be young agents it's just anyone who's trying to start an agency And you know, you've been to those conferences. What I get from conferences, yes, there's a lot of knowledge, but what I get more so is meeting one-on-one. You and I say, hey, let's go to lunch together and let's share what's working for you and what's working for me and what's not. Um, I'm trying to do this. How did you do it? That is invaluable. And you're not going to learn that just sitting in a classroom, getting technology or, you know, knowledge. It's really that relationship. And it's down the road, six months later down the road, when I go, Oh, you know what? I remember Teresa was talking about this company and she works with them. Maybe I can get her to get me in the door.
1: Yeah. Those yeah. are huge. I think that's one thing I really like about Facebook too, is especially whenever those are done through Zoom meetings or through those types of things. Cause I could go back on those and I can either rewatch videos right. or I could go search the groups and I can pull up a conversation like, oh yeah, such and such said, but what did what were what was the specifics there? So then I can go through and I can go ahead and pull back up that post and I can yep. do that. And I think that that's the I love the fact that social media has the insurance agencies owners or agents have really embraced a lot more of the community on an electronic basis that even though we sit back and we say, I've got to work, I can't be online, which we are, but at the same point, we can participate in some of those conversations, put ourselves out there, develop and cultivate in that environment where we help people to grow and to be able to nurture. And we can always go back to those and re-watch videos or reread posts or things like that. Or maybe even just say, hey, I'm struggling with blank. Can we do a Zoom meeting and or a Facebook room or whatever it might be, a breakout room and just talk about this? Yeah, um, right. you know, cause I know like I'm building, I'm doing some different stuff right now. And in the women of IAOA, I'm like, Hey, who else is doing some stuff like this? So we're like, Hey, let's just get together Friday and chat about it. And right. I think that is the power of culture and the power of community. But right. I really want to challenge and encourage people to not just make that on a professional level with our professional comrades, right. You know, people out there. But really to do it with our team, right? Sometimes we get so focused on building a business, we don't come back and and, and train and educate and push and inspire our team the way that we should. I know that I've got 10 people. We're vastly virtual in the vast majority. I've got two separate locations. And um, I have a hard time remembering to to, to put myself out there to some degree because I'm blowing, I'm going, I'm doing this. If I'm in the office, I do it a lot easier. Hey, let's go to lunch. Hey, let's do this, right? And so we have to, we've we decided to schedule time in the office no matter what. So we're half and half culture to where I'm in the Dallas office part of the time, the Austin office part of the time, then I'm home part of the time, because I need that. I'm, I'm much more of an introvert than I think people realize that I am. It's just what I need. Sure. But by being in the office and creating that relationship and making that intentional, that really, really helps. So have you guys found that 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 team is just the core? It is. And I think you you have to
0: remember at the end of the day, we are hiring people to chase our dream for us. Mm. Mm. It's not their dream. It's ours. This is what we want. And we're driving the ship, but they're doing all the work, right? And so what I've learned, and really it's been over the last five or six years, is I need to make sure that one of my priorities is what is their dream? You know, every, every employee fills out one of the getting to know you forms where you tell me your favorite color, your favorite restaurant, your favorite, because I'm not going to give you a massage if you don't ever get massages because you don't like people to, you know, to, to give you a massage. Right. So I want to give you something that's meaningful for you and that you're going to enjoy. How do I know that? I'm going to ask you. In fact, I just sent it out maybe a month ago and said, let's update these. And I added a few different questions. I want to know, they've been here, you know, a few years. I want to know, maybe things have changed. Maybe you have a different restaurant that you love. Um, but at the end of the day, if we aren't helping them achieve fulfillment in what they are doing, I think we've missed the boat. I think we've missed a huge opportunity. Um, the CSRs, whether it's a CSR a claims person, whatever it is, a receptionist in your agency, when they are coming in at the end of the day, they're not going to have the passion usually that we mm. have, right? They just don't. So you need to find out what are they passionate about and help them do that. And so one of the things that I will do is, you know, like um, I learned it from Mike Stromso was, what is your 11 day? If you have a one to 10 and 10 is the best day you have, what's your 11 day? And one of my employees said, mm, like "For me, that. an eleven yeah, for me an eleven day would be to go camping with my husband and my grandson because we've not done it since my grandson was born." So, what did I do? I bought a whole bunch of camping supplies and s'more kit and stuff, and gave her a day off and on a Friday, and they went camping finally. So, if I can help them with what they want, get what they want, they're just happier, they're just more content, and at the end of the day, they are taking care of the agency clients, which is taking care of me. And so, really, yeah. it was just my my concept years ago was the companies, you know, the clients came first, then the companies. Now it's the employees, it's your team members, and then it's your clients. And then it's the company. And at the end, it's me. And if you're doing it in that order, my firm belief is the numbers will be there. You
1: don't have to chase numbers. If you're yeah. working from that way, in, it, the numbers will be there. Because this business is a relationship business. It's not just a relationship with our team. It is. It's our team's relationships with our, with our clients. It's our team's relationships with the carriers. It's our team's relationships. And I love that you said that. And I love the idea of, um, I wrote it down here. What is your 11 day is because you're helping them to be able to achieve and to be able to set time aside, maybe to be able to fill in the holes because we get busy in life. They get busy in life. And, um, and I love that. I love that. So what is So okay, so here's something that just popped into my head, and maybe I'm taking this on a totally different tangent. I don't know. I may edit this out. Who knows? Okay, so so I think that people as agency owners, we manage based on kind of how we what what blesses us, right? So like my love language is quality time. So like if somebody sits down and talks to me, I just will give you entirely the world, right? If somebody gives me something. I love it. It's wonderful. I think it's great. I'm going to put it somewhere in my house or in my office. And I'm going to look at you, look at it every time. And I'm going to think about you. Right. But it doesn't give me as many warm fuzzies as it would somebody else. My sister, on the other hand, is not in the agency, but she's a huge gift person, like huge. And I've had to learn over the years that if my birthday gift is one day late, I'm in really big trouble, you know, kind of thing. And I think that as an agency owner, part of what we need to also know and understand is we do all these culture indexes or personality tests and things like that too. But what is their love language? Is it that they just want to come on in and talk to you and your door is closed all the time? Is it that they want a a, a candle, a gift? Is it that they want you to take them out for lunch, you know, for 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 that quality time? Or is it that they, I mean, the feely stuff would probably be against some major rules, but, you know, there's different love languages you know, words of affirmation, you know, if that's somebody's love language, have you done anything in your agency to include that in on how you build your culture?
0: I haven't. And I've read the book because there is a love language book for team members. There is one specifically. I didn't know that. Okay. Um, and it helped me to understand. I didn't take it to the next level. I know that like Patty Lars has a, has like a book club at her agency where they have a book and, and they'll talk about it. And she may, I think she may have actually done that one. Um, What I try to do is try to make it fun and try to make it unique so that even if it's not, and it doesn't, here's the thing that that it doesn't have to be this huge gesture. That's very expensive. One year I did the 12 days of Christmas and I really did wrap presents for 12 work days and they were everything from, you know, a bubble bath to the end was a nice, a beautiful plaque with a cardinal or frame with a cardinal on it that I found. And inside of it was a get out of work free card, right? For a day off. So, but it was unique that they got to open something every single day. Um, And I can tell you that regardless what their language is, they all love that. (laughs) Yeah. Because it was something, it was something kind of cool. I have Everybody loves fun, right? I think
1: fun is everybody's good language.
0: I have hesitated to do anything like a required book. When I hire someone, I give them an old book. It's an old book now called Hug Your Customer." Right. Oh, okay. And it was a great book. In fact, I have copies of them back here because I, every new employee I give this book to and hug your customer really was the whole concept of, and it's about a clothing store of all things on the East coast. Um, but it's all about going above and beyond the client who calls on a Saturday when you're closed, but has a funeral to go to and can't find, and his pants don't fit him. They're going to go unlock the door and help him. It's just that whole customer experience and why they do what they do. And so for me, when the whole Simon Sinek why started making the rounds years ago, I did a kind of a thing with my team members and said, I want you to tell me what our why is. And they had time to work on it before the meeting. I want you to tell me what the agency's why is. And you can't use the word insurance or protect. Oh, I like that. So when they came back to the meeting, they had different ideas, but none of them got it. And it wasn't shame on them. It was shame on me because I'm obviously not living it. Yeah. If they can't see it and they don't know it, then I'm not living it. I don't care whether it's when I started, you know, if you look at my volunteer history, I started volunteering at about 18 years old and I do a ton of charity stuff. My thing has always been about taking care of people. It's always been about, mostly, especially children has been a big thing for me. And so I was really kind of, you know, I thought it was more of an assignment for them. But then I looked at myself when they had the answers and thought, Linda Marie, shame on you. Mm-hmm. They don't know what you're all about. And if they don't know what you're all about, the community doesn't know what you're about. No one knows what your agency is about. You just sell insurance. And so that was like 20, 2015. And from then on, I said, we're gonna get out who we really are, and I met with um, Kelly Donahue and did branding at that point, and they really kind of caught up our whole thing of our passion is taking care of people type thing, um, and it's now you you can, you could ask any one of my employees that are here, and they're gonna tell you we take care of people. Insurance mm. is just one of the ways that we do that. We do that with you know unfortunately COVID has kind of short tailed it, but years ago I had asked Chris Paradiso for his using his idea for his reverse trick or treat, which he collects toys and stuff for the children's hospital. We did that the first year because I'm a Make-A-Wish. I started Make-A-Wish here in Traverse City a few years ago, a chapter of it. So we took our stuff down to Boss. To but the next year I said, what if we do something here locally in our town? And I went to the cancer center. And so now before COVID, we would all dress up in our Halloween costumes and spend the entire day at the center and we had toys, tons of toys that were donated for kids to pick out. And we also had care packages for the adults that were getting treatments, that were getting chemo or radiation. Oh, nice. And the first year we did it, we had a lot of fun. It was great. I just didn't realize how many people were there getting treatment. The next year I went to my companies because I've never done co-op and said, will you give me money just to buy stuff for these people that we're giving out? And they did. So um, whether it's that or it's November, that was Claudia McLean's idea that she let me borrow November. When I first learned about that, I was flying to San Diego and I saw her post something about it. So I actually went and bought 50 pairs of socks and delivered them on on the airplane with me and delivered them to her in San Diego for her charity. So she allowed me to use the Topember. So we do that for a sock donation collection that we do. Um, You know, I have a thing called Remembering Jackie that I will do next week. And we've done everything from buy 12 Christmas dinners for people at the store to buying gift certificates for restaurants to just handing out bags of socks and lotion and and with, you know, McDonald's gift certificates. I do something different every year. One year we just handed out cash and it was just a way to remember a dear friend of mine who died of cancer a few years ago. So um, for me, it really is important that your team members understand what drives you. Um. And then on the reverse, it's important for us to understand what drives them. What are they passionate about? What do they want? What do they hope to achieve? Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not. Look no further than Nation Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers'
1: ever-changing needs. With NBS, as they say it in the cool world, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business, a.k. agency, Don't settle for less.
0: Do more with MBS. For more information about nationwide brokerage solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. Cast certified.
1: I love that. I love that. What drives them and what drives you and you guys merging that culture because that way the culture is about them and you. It's not just about us creating a culture. It's also about all of us creating a culture right and it's not and I think that's one thing that I need to do better on and and it just complete transparency is I feel like in my mind I have to drive the culture I have to pick the books I have to do this that and the other and then if I don't pick a book then they don't mention it again like we did a book thing and it was great and then it's kind of like we were done with it and it just kind of floated off into the air (laughs) you know I mean because unless I instigated it it didn't get done and I think that that's part of the um what's the word i'm looking for the word the word i'm looking for is kind of everybody taking ownership of your space right is when everybody feels like they're being heard listened to and valued then they might step on up and say hey i've got an idea for the next book or whatever it might be right so that way everything is not on us as agency owners it's also that everyone's a leader. Everyone is, you know, has a voice. Everyone is valuable. Everybody doesn't just sit at their desk and do their job and leave and go home. And, and they um, have their own
0: goals and shame yeah. on us if we don't know what those are. Right. I love that. We need I love to that. know what those are.
1: I love that. I think that's awesome. I think that's awesome. So now what made you so passionate about your team and about culture? A lot of us have some sort of a, a situation in life or something that might have happened in our professional career that just says, hey, I want to do something different. I want to make something better. What was it maybe, you know, even just at a high level that occurred, that happened in your sales history and in your, in your in your employment history that really just gave you the passion to be the leader that you are today? I, it
0: really, there wasn't one thing, but you you're, you're get to a point in your life and whether it's this, I have a dear friend that owns her own financial services place. And I said this to her the other day, you get to a time when you have to make a decision. Either I'm going to stop growing and I can handle it all myself, or I've got to hire people to help me with this. Yeah. Well, if you're going to hire people to help you with this, you better figure out how to be a leader. And I was, Mm. I will tell you very honestly, when I went to open this agency, I had a manager that was a manager in a previous agency that said to me, and he was like, he was a buddy of mine, good friends. And he never really had to manage me. He just kind of let me do what I do. But he said to me, Rob said, Linda, when you, he said, one thing I'm going to warn you about, you'll have an incredible agency. But he said, you're a horrible manager. And I was kind of offended. What do you mean? And he said, you perform automatically at this high, high level. And you're Mm. going to expect everyone to perform up there with you. And when they don't, you are not going to be happy. And I thought, you don't know what you're talking about. Oh, it just took a couple of years for me to go, oh my goodness, he's right. (laughs) Because in my mind... I assume everybody knows how to connect A to Z because I know it's natural for me. In my mind, I assume that you know that if this happens, this is what you do next. I assume that you know. And so for me, it was this whole thing of being absolutely buried in my business. And I'm not joking, buried. And someone, and I don't remember who, bless them, gave me the E-Myth book. Mm. and said, you need to read this. And I thought, oh my goodness, I'm making cherry pies. That was my, and this, and what's funny is Traverse City is the cherry capital of the world. So it was fitting for me to read that book. That's
1: hilarious.
0: But but I was like, that's me. I had better figure out how to build a a staff of people who are gonna take care of these clients or I'm gonna continue to be buried doing it all. But And I wasn't doing it all by myself. I still had one or two people at all times but I was really doing the bulk of it all myself. And I, mm-hmm. I told you at the beginning of our conversation, I'm a recovering control freak. And that's true. Um, because what would happen is I would give something to someone to do and they would do it wrong and it would come back on my lap anyway. So then you mm-hmm. get this kind of egotistical and it is, it's ego, right? I can do it better. Um, so I'll just do it myself. You gotta let that go. You've got, yeah. got to let that go. Because what I tell them now, when they come to me with an issue, I really learned, I read a book called The Advice Trap. And I read that just a few months ago and it was another one of those moments when you look in the mirror and go, Oh goodness, Linda Marie. So bottom line is in that book, I realized that my ego loves being the advice queen. I love having all mm-hmm. the answers. right? And so they keep coming to me and I keep, I, I'm, and I didn't realize it, but every time they come to me, I don't know where to put this and I don't know how to write this. And I don't know how to do this. I loved having all the answers. What does that do for them? Nothing. Right. right. It just gives an And so what I've learned to do is consciously say, you know what, Karina, why don't you tell me how you're going to respond to that? Where do you think you should go? What do you, you know, what's what's your answer to that? Put it back in their court because at the end of the day, what I tell them is this, even when it's an upset client, you don't want to hand off to me an upset client because the minute you do, you've told that client, you can't handle them. You've told that client, you don't have the knowledge, you don't have the ability. And every time something happens bad, they're going to have to come back to me. That's not what I want. And that's not what's best for you to grow and and to build these relationships with these clients. And so what I have done is, and they've done a very nice job the last six or seven months, I've finally been able to pull myself out of the everyday service of the agency to try to become a true CEO of a business. And you wear different hats and I'm learning to wear the CEO hats and I'm learning not to, because every now and then I'll see something on an activity and I want to jump in and call that client, take care of it right, and solve it. And I can't do that. I've got to back off, help them and empower them and say, you can do this. You know how to do this. And if you're confused, call the underwriter, call the claims guy, call whoever you need to call. And then if, if it still isn't working, then get to me. I don't want you frustrated, but I want you to, to, and I want them to learn that knowledge too, and find out where to go to it. So the next time they need that answer, they know how to get on and they're building relationships that way with yeah. the underwriters and with the claims people. You're building that relationship because I can remember Probably five, six years ago, we had a problem with our main carrier with claims. And constantly I was responding to upset clients because mm. claims people were not returning phone calls. And so I kept and so I would go up to the lo- upper level. And as soon as I made the phone call, stuff happened. But when the two CSRs made phone calls, nothing happened. And I said, that's that can't happen. That cannot be. So what I did was say, OK, I can't tr- control what this company's doing. They know I'm not happy, but I cannot control what they're doing. What I can control is here. So if we change our process and say, you know what, within 48 hours, we're going to call and check in within seven days, we're going to call and check in again. And then, and so we, and then we have a 14 day timeline so that that doesn't get so far down the pipeline with a client going, I haven't heard anybody. It's yeah. been a week. It doesn't yeah. happen. It just doesn't happen. So, um, so for me, it really is all about helping them really excel in what they're doing. They're not just bodies mm-hmm. answering the phone and doing, it really is. And I'm so blessed. It has taken a long time to get the right people. It has taken a very long time, but I think it's also taken a long time for me to be the right leader.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, this is this is a personal personal conversation, but I'm trying to use it in my agency too, and it goes along very very well with what you were talking about. And and I love I love the book that you said about um, the advice trap, and I've got to get that. I'm gonna I'm definitely gonna do that, and I'm also gonna get the other one, hug your customers. So I've got a new one. Um, marketer salesperson coming on first of the year. So very excited about that. So thank you so much. But one of the things a friend of mine told me a couple of years ago is she said that she was working really hard to, and this is something I've really, really instilled with my children. And I don't think I've really instilled it with my team. And now that I'm sitting here thinking about it, it's something I need to do is that whenever they come to me, I meet, I ask, do you, are you looking for me to listen, to give advice or to be your champion or to help you fix it? Right? right? Because so many times, especially as women, we jump in as a fixer, right? And sometimes our team just needs to vent. Sometimes um, people just need to, and I think I do it in my head, but I try to mm-hmm. listen to their conversation with my kids. I'll literally just say, what is your intent here? And then my daughter is oh, yeah. so funny. Sometimes she'll like run out of steam. She's like, I just want you to listen. I'm like, okay. And then she'll like run out of <laughs> steam and I'm just kind of quiet. She's like, mom. Right. And I'm like, I'm here. I'm here. I'm just All listening. Right. And she's like, no, now, now I need you to get upset with me. I'm like, okay, now we're getting upset. All right, now we're gonna do this, right? So I think it, it empowers them to also know what they need and what they want from other people and to know how to listen in that way. Because sometimes our clients just need to vent. Sometimes our clients just need somebody to be there for them. Sometimes our clients need us to be angry with them or, hey, we're gonna go take care of this, right? sometimes our our clients need to be loved on and just to be calmed down maybe a little bit, right? And just to be shown that somebody else loves them and is listening and cares for them. So I think that that goes for like all the way across the board is that as leaders, we need to model that, but then also we need to pass that down maybe intentionally verbally. Cause I mean, I literally like my daughter, my daughter is so funny. If she listens to this, she's going to kill me. But, um, she's even said she with her boyfriend, she's like, mom, I told or her girlfriend, I think it was some friend of hers. You know, she's like, I told her, I just wanted to listen. And all she did was try to jump in there and tell me how this person was wrong. And I even told her that all I wanted her to do was listen. I, I said, not everybody has that culture Kaylee. I said, you know, not everybody understands that They just do what naturally comes to them. So I think as leaders, if we model that, that helps us to be able to have a more empathetic team for each other, for us and for our, our our clients out there. And now that I'm sitting here thinking about it, I probably need to be very diligent verbally with my team about that, because I know I've I've gone on my way to do that with my kids. And when my daughter turned 16, my son was 21. And um, I literally sat both of them down. And I said, we pivoted, okay? I tried to be the helicopter mom where I tried to fix everything with my first. And um, that obviously did not work very well. And as well as I've wanted it to. But with my second, I said, I'm going to do something different. And I said, I'm doing this for both of you now is that I'm going to ask you these questions. And whenever you're in a situation that you are uncomfortable with or whatever, you need to figure things out. I'm going to say, that sucks. How are you going to fix it? You know, so that way I'm empathetic and I listen and then I can do the other thing. But I think that is really important because I think as women and business owners, we just want to fix constantly. Well, and I think, too, if you look at one of the
0: things that I learned pretty early on, I do things at the speed of, you know, I'm 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 not an A, I'm a Turbo A is what I've always said. (laughs) So what I had to do was really learn to Allow them to be at their own pace. Because when you're, if you come into my office and you're talking to me, I'm done with that conversation long before you are. And I figured it out and I moved on to something else. Um, Someone said to me recently, You've got a hundred things going on in your mind at once. And I do it, but that's my natural. But it definitely is not everyone's natural. And so what I found is I had to step back and take a deep breath. And number one, let people finish their thought. And number two, not always jump up with the, with the answer. Because again, like you said, sometimes they just want to hear themselves talk it through so they can figure it out themselves even, but it's really difficult. Yeah. Yeah. It's a difficult dichotomy though, when you're strong in sales, because what do we do in sales? We talk, we talk and we talk and we talk and we explain and we explain again, and we encourage them and we let them, you know, that's what we do. And so to do that and do it extremely well, and then have to back off and go, okay, now I have to wear a different hat. And I have Mm to slow down and I have to let them say what they need to say, because I had one that honestly, and I don't think it was a bad idea, but I never did it that I said to her because she would tell three stories to tell me one. And I said, Mm -hmm. I'm going to get one of those little hourglasses that you have in the Yahtzee game. And I'm going to tap it when you come in. And when the sand is gone, you got to (laughs) leave. So hopefully you got your question out before the sand comes down, because I have a hard time listening to three stories to tell me one. And again, shame on me. Right. It's not like you don't have the time you do. You just don't want to do it because your mind's going, but I forgot about this. I did. I called this guy. Did I do this? And I, so it's a learning. I, I would say that owners as a, as a, a business owner, if you're strong in one department or the other, I don't care which it is, you've got to learn to wear the, the other hats. You do yeah. at all yeah. times, at all times. It's not easy by any means. It's, it's a, it's a constant learning process.
1: And I, love, and I love how you're talking too about how sales, people who are more sales driven are more talking, explaining, educating rather than as much the receiver of that information. I think we, we have a phase where we are, right? Where we're listening, we're doing the awesome discovery listen. process, right? right? But then once we hit another, like, boom, we hit another thing. It's like, okay, transition, choop, now I'm exactly. in teaching you, educating you mode, you know, kind of thing. So oh. I think that's really important too.
0: Interesting. Yes. Ever evolving,
1: ever learning, ever growing. Forever, forever and ever and, I and ever. Know. Don't I you know. remember when you were I... thinking somebody had it like all together and like as I get older, right. I'm like, nobody ever has anything together, ever. <laughs> right.
0: And the, and, the, and the thing is, is the knowledge is there. You just have to go after it, right? Yeah. And what I said, you know, I was on a panel a couple of years ago before COVID. I was on a women's panel Um And they had asked, you know, how would I recommend that somebody, you know, get started? And I said, basically, if you just find someone who's where you want to be, most of us are willing to give advice to help. You know, I said, if maybe you read something in, in rough notes, maybe it's a trade industry thing that you read and you go, oh my gosh, this person knows I did that recently. I reached out to a lady who's starting an entire women's insurance thing that she's starting up. And I read an article she had written in Rough Notes magazine, and I reached out to her and said, hey, I'm interested to know about this. So Kim and I have had a, a little you know, one-on-one Zoom call to kind of figure out what she's doing and how she's putting it together. So <clears throat> for people who are trying to get started, if whether it's social media or whether it's an industry magazine or whether it's a convention that you go to, jot down the name of the people that are really we're, we're doing what you want to do and where you're at and reach mm. out to them. Majority of the people in this industry, and it, Again, I've never been in any other industry, right? I started at such, I was 18 years old when I started. So right. nobody nobody do the math. Nobody be doing the math at home. Um, <laughs> you were six, right? We <laughs> talked about that earlier. You were, you were like three. Yeah, Yeah, 33 plus, yeah. Um, so I was a never, but I will say this industry is so giving. Once you mm-hmm. surround yourself with the right people, they are going to help you and help you and help you. And so there's no reason to be stumbling on by, by yourself. And, and I think the more organizations that we get, like you've got IAOA Women, the more that we have of that, whether it's women and men or both, you know, I joined, I, might, I don't know how, but Dave Jackson found me when he had like 292 members in IAOA. It was that long ago. Um, and look what it is today. So um, yeah. So I think any kind of organization that you can belong to, to just share that one-on-one to help you get into the doors of companies that you want appointments with, or at least know what cluster, because there are so many clusters and arrangements out there. Some are good, and some are not good. And right. I think sometimes too desperate. You know, I looked at one in particular years ago, and I looked at it and said, I just wanted to dance. I didn't want to get married, right? And this was <laughs> going to be a marriage. This was going to be a ten year, and then you have to buy fifty percent of it back. I wasn't doing that. If I wanted right. only fifty percent ownership, I would have joined somebody else. And so, uh, and, but if you go to a group, you're going you, and just ask for help. Ask yeah. people. If you see somebody that's posting a lot and you thought, boy, this person really knows what they're doing, And then don't hesitate to reach out and ask a question. Say, hey, I'm trying to find this because guess what? If I or someone, you know, if you don't know the answer, we're probably going to know somebody that does and at least right. lead them in the right direction and save them that time
1: and frustration. No, I love that. I love that. And we do. We have to ask for what we want. We have to teach yes. our team to ask for what we want. They want. We need to ask for what we want. And we need to make sure that we cultivate that culture as well. So I love that. And if we don't, again, if we don't set that tone, you know, we need to ask for what we want, you know? Right. So I love that. Well, Linda Marie, you have been amazing. So if people want to be able to connect with you, I know you've mentioned multiple different areas where you serve, where you are available. Right. Um, and I know that you are, quote unquote, all over the place, right? And not, 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 not in, a, in a crazy, like in a, in, a, in, a, in a diversity way, but also just in a service way. You serve in so many different platforms in so many different ways. And I know that you have such a servant's heart. How can people reach out to you if they have questions? Oh, please don't. No, I'm kidding. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I'm on, uh, you know, Facebook, I'm on Facebook. Um, I will only do Facebook in the morning, early in the morning and late at night because it's too distracting. Other than that, um, okay. my email, you're you're more than welcome to give my email address out. Um, Linda at cardinalinsgroup.com. Happy to answer questions. You can look up the website site, so get the phone number. I'm available. People can find me.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for all of your, all of your help today, all of your wisdom. I love the I love the books that you mentioned, hug your customer and advice trap. I'm definitely doing that. i going to do that. And I loved your idea about the, um, what is your 11th day? Like, and really trying to celebrate the goals that our team members have. And I've just gotten so many amazing, just knowledge just for me out of this. And I just, I'm so thankful for you, you and for your activity in all the different groups that I see you in and that um, and just your, your presence in the, in the industry. So I look forward to, to getting to know you better and to being able to be along on that road with you. So I think we're seeing a big movement. I think we're seeing a big movement in the industry right now of women really stepping up into leadership and um, you know,
0: I love it. You awesome. are so kind. Now I feel like I won the Golden Globe, Globe. I won the Oscar, whatever
1: it was. <laughs> I'll have to send it to you. It's in the mail, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, no, right. sincerely though, I appreciate you reaching out. Um, I'm honored. Seriously, I'm honored to help anyone that needs help. Um, happy to help. Well, thank you. Thank you.
1: All right. Well, the ministry is always Very- better with by those people who do serve and who help other people to get what they want. So I love that. Right. Well, everybody, this is another amazing episode with another amazing woman in the insurance space. We love to be able to celebrate women in the insurance space. Women that are doing amazing things, having great conversations, and just being able to make the world safe for, I would say make the world safe for democracy, but make the world safe for growth of everyone in this insurance community. Men, women, everybody, there's room at the table for all of us. So thank you so much for listening to another amazing episode, another amazing woman in the insurance space. Make sure that you listen to our podcast. We have a new episode every single Wednesday. Give us a review online. That's how people find us. We'll talk to y'all soon. Have a great week.